Greetings and welcome to Creative State, a podcast about arts, culture and heritage in Washington. My name is Karen Hannan, the Executive Director of Arts War, your Washington State Arts Commission. Our mission is to be a catalyst for the arts, advancing the role of the arts in the lives of individuals and communities throughout the state. I am so glad you've joined us to hear about incredible people and their stories across the great state of Washington. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Creative State. I'm your host, Michael Wallenfels, Communications Manager here at your Washington State Arts Commission, also known as ArtsWA. Today, we'll head to Tacoma to visit Lua Pritchard at the Asia Pacific Cultural Center, swing by the Central Washington State Fair to hear a poem, and travel back in time to learn about the Buffalo Soldiers. It's going to be an exciting trip, so I hope you'll stay with us. Before we get started, I'd like to invite everyone to watch the 2022 Governor's Arts and Heritage Awards, streaming free on our YouTube channel on November 1st at 7 p.m. Head to arts.wa.gov to learn more. Okay, our first stop is the Asia Pacific Cultural Center, or APCC. APCC was a 2021 Governor's Arts and Heritage Luminary Award honoree, and I sat down with Executive Director Lua Pritchard to learn how the APCC got to where it is today and what APCC did during the pandemic that earned recognition from the state of Washington. We are here with Lua Pritchard of the Asia Pacific Cultural Center. Lua, if you could, please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who you are and your work. So I am uh, Falwena Pritchard, Executive Director of Asia Pacific Cultural Center. It was established in 1996. We're over 25 years now. We celebrated our 25th anniversary last November. Our mission is to bridge communities and generations through arts, culture, education, and um, business. We represent and teach and showcase about the 47 nations that make up all of Asia and all of the South Pacific. So we are inside of schools, we're inside community, we're inside of businesses, uh, government, and also we actually work with the military before they deploy to different countries of Asia Pacific, that they come to APCC and explore some um, very related ways that they can use while they're there or when they first get off the airplane. So, uh, and we're also in the public with big events throughout the year. Tell us a bit more about APCC and how it started and got to where it is now. Well, APCC was actually uh, dreamed by an artist, a Korean artist, uh, Patsy O'Connell, because she was finding out as an artist, she was kind of sort of alone. Uh, She wasn't seeing any other Asia Pacific people around her and in the settings that she was uh, associated with. And so she thought there would, you know, there are many different Asia Pacific country organizations like Chinese Cultural Center here, Japanese Center over there, but there's nowhere that we can bring together all of the Asia Pacific uh, people together. So uh, she thought of 
an idea to bring do a, an organization that would bring that together. And so she asked around for uh, certain leaders of Asia Pacific people uh, here in Pierce County and see what they think. And so obviously everybody thought it was a great idea. So here we are 25 years more later. Where do you see or how do you see APC's work evolving into the future? Well, it's going to be more important, as especially with the anti-Asians and anti-Pacific Islanders, anti-Indigenous, anti-BIPOC. With all of that uh, racism and um, and anti-people of color, it just tells us that there's more understanding needed. And so people need to really understand who we are as an Asia-Pacific people. And the reason why uh, there's so much hate and discrimination around is because there's lack of understanding that continues to be around. That's what APCC does. We teach about who we are as a, as a people. And because they don't understand that we are, we are Asia-Pacific people, but we're not related a lot to each other. We're all different, and they need to understand the difference and the similarities in order to appreciate us more. Let's go back time just a little bit to last year. So APCC was an honoree of the Luminary Awards, and these are awards that recognize the artists and cultural organizations who stood as shining lights for their communities during the darkness of the pandemic. So tell us a bit about what APCC did during that time. Well, because uh, the pandemic hit hard, especially on the Pacific Islanders. Uh, So we, the health departments had to come to APCC because we have the language capacity and we have the cultural capacity. So because there was, in order for them to reach our Asia Pacific people, they had to really be culturally related and linguistically uh, related. So uh, that's why they, they reached out to APCC. So we had to play a real big role while the medical teams were uh, up front, uh, you know, up front, up line in terms of serving the people. We had to be there as well because of the language and cultural barriers. How did it feel when you found out APCC was an honoree and had gotten this recognition? I was, it was, actually it was expected <laughs> because we were the only cultural uh, organization that really was out there. And we know that for a fact. So, uh, because we we did so much work, it was it was tremendous. Um, we vaccinated over four thousand people. We uh, tested, uh, COVID tested over four thousand people. We gave out thousands of PPEs and thousands of food boxes and and hundreds of gift cards and so forth. And so and then cash assistance as well. And then we had we help assisted. 128 AAPI businesses, small businesses, to get over $600,000 worth of uh, money in terms of in, in 2020 and 2021. So that's a lot. That's a lot. And we're still doing it. We have COVID today uh, vaccine. So we're, we're going to continue on until it's all done or when the health department said it's okay now. So. I mean, considering everything that you and your organization are doing for the community, what advice do you have for individuals or other organizations who are looking to use the arts to help their own communities? Well, you you have to, arts and culture is so important because that's who the people are. 
And if if people don't understand that and see the importance of that, that's that's almost like not having anything to eat, because arts and culture is is the person is part of who that person is. You have to know who that person is. What is their culture? And what is their language? And what what's what's the artistic part of it? Art is healthy. It's happiness. And you have to be uh, happy in order to be healthy. So when you're when people are happy, they tend to do great things and positive things, uh, not only for others, but for themselves. So it's it's a great world when when you have arts and culture with it. I I want people to really um, look at art and culture as as the vitality. It's it's vital to the to the human being on a daily basis. It it, it just brings out the best in a person, um, and it makes people happy. Gives people smiles, you know, and and just be around arts and culture that's that's we had a uh over a hundred kids here yesterday and before they came to our door they were not smiling when they left here they were very happy so and that's because we had arts and culture all day long with them so it's just it's the greatest day it's wonderful Tell us what's what's next for you. What's next for Asia Pacific Cultural Center? Well, we're building a building, so this the home, the home. But what's next in terms of programs? Uh, we have Samoa Culture Days coming up in July, July twenty third to July thirty. It's a whole week, but celebrating the culture of Samoa. And then after that will be our twenty fifth annual uh, Luau, Polynesian Luau. Be right outside there. So over 800 people will be involved. And then we'll have the Chusak Festival for Korea, which is a Harvest Day celebration. And then we'll have the Filipino History Month uh, to end our year. And possibly, possibly we'll be creating an India Day. See, the whole, the whole uh, dream here is to have each of our 47 nations to have a day of celebration for that nation. We just finished Thailand. Yeah, so um, it, it's wonderful. We we never have a dull moment. It doesn't sound like it. <laughs> so, I mean, for the people who are listening and want to learn more, where can they go to learn more about your organization? Come here. Come to Tacoma, Pierce County, where we are. Or call us, and we'll come to you. Yeah, we travel all over the place. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Artswa and the governor for giving us the Luminary Award. It's an honor to receive it, and it's always an honor to uh, be recognized by Artswa and the governor. Thank you. Well, Lua Pritchard, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us on Creative State, and thank you for everything you and your organization are doing for your community. Thank you so much. Thank you to Lua Pritchard and everyone at APCC for their tireless work in the community. Learn more about APCC at asiapacificculturalcenter.org. Next, we'll talk with Janae Huber, Collections Manager for Artswa's Art and Public Places program. Janae has a fascinating job. And I sat her down to talk about one of the biggest projects she's ever managed. A project that involves highway reflectors, a -a one-of-a-kind cowboy hat, and a years-long effort to make the biggest piece of the state art collection shine like new. 
Who are you? <laughs> hey, Michael. Um, I'm Janae Huber. I'm the Collections Manager for the Washington State Arts Commission's Art and Public Places Program, and I've been with the agency for 17 years. Tell us about Art and Public Places. And what is the State Art Collection? Art in Public Places is the state's public art program. Um, we are the official visual arts program of Washington State, written into state statute since 1974. Um, and we work to acquire artworks for the State Art Collection. Um, we do that with funding that people often refer to as percent for art funding. In Washington's case, our funding formula is one half a percent of the state's cost for construction of state buildings. And it applies to buildings, uh, K-12 schools, Washington's public schools, um, college and universities, and state agencies. So when those kinds of facilities are built and their state funding as, as part of that, um, a half a percent goes toward acquiring artwork for that facility or campus. And then those artworks become part of the state art collection. And I brought you in here to talk about a specific piece in the state art collection. So for the people who don't know about this piece, what is Circle of Light? It's actually the largest piece in the state art collection. It was created in 1992 by the artist Dick Elliott, and it's really such an incredibly remarkable artwork. I think it's a little bit hard to imagine when you don't see it in person, but the the piece itself is the actual artwork medium are highway reflectors. The artwork is made up of 50,000 three-inch diameter reflectors in five different colors, um, and those 50,000 reflectors create 24 distinct patterns that ring around the entire sun dome, which um, for folks who maybe haven't been to Yakima um, but might be more familiar with the kingdom, the sun dome is a similar building, a little bit smaller. So imagine, um, you know, a building of, of nearly the scale of the kingdom or the former kingdom um, with a ring, a halo of reflectors surrounding that. It's 880 feet long. And we're talking about it because we're reaching the end of a pretty incredible effort on the part of you and a bunch of other folks. So what's been going on with Circle of Light over the past, I guess, six months, but even longer than that? Yeah, even longer than that. Really, um, quite a few years ago now, a decade essentially ago, um, we started to really see that the reflectors were reaching their end of life. Just the weather, the UV exposure was taking a toll on the artworks um, after being out, outdoors for, for so many years. Um, and what was happening is that the, the reflectors themselves have two parts and those parts were separating. Um, and so the, the colorful part was falling off of the building. So we knew that the artwork needed major restoration, but during the middle of the Great Recession, we really couldn't see a path forward to how that artwork would be restored because we knew that the cost would be significant and that the labor would be significant to actually do the work. Again, 50,000 reflectors, which took the artist about six weeks to install originally. Um, and so we knew again that it would be a pretty substantial kind of all hands on deck effort that we, we weren't couldn't quite see how we were going to make it happen. And in 2020, um, we received a, uh, an appropriation from the legislature to do a complete evaluation of Circle of Light and actually form a plan for how we would restore it, which was really thrilling to um, have that legislative support and receive that funding. Um, and that that assessment that we were able to do um, was the groundwork for actually doing the restoration. And how is Circle of Light now? It's 
remarkable. <laughs> I don't even know how to quite how to talk about it. It's it's even having seen historic photos of it, having seen it at, at various times um, since I've been the collections manager, it absolutely blows me away when I see it now. The colors are so vibrant, and it just I don't I can't, I can't describe it other than head spinning. Every time I see it, I feel shocked at how absolutely beautiful it is and how much better it makes that that place and how much it it fits and reacts to the Yakima sun um, and what a a truly kind of magical artwork it is. So beyond its its renewed splendor, you've been so close to this project for so long. What have been some of your favorite moments along the way? That's a good question. I I have a couple that come to mind for me. It definitely um, is a project that's had so many different phases that it's hard to cite just a single single, um, favorite time. For me, one of one of the key parts of this project has been the collaboration with Jane Orleman. Um, Jane is um, the artist's widow, and she is uh, just an incredible artist herself and a wonderfully generous person. And so she's been so generous along the way with sharing her knowledge of the artist's working methods, of Dick Elliott's working methods. And I, I just feel like she's been an, a key collaborator on this project to help us get this restoration right um, and really honor the artwork. Um, and one of my favorite moments from getting to spend time with Jane and work with her was actually getting to try on um, the hat that Dick wore while he was making <laughs> the artwork, which is um, sort of a cowboy sun hat and it's ringed with um, one inch diameter reflectors um, in the same colors as the sun dome. So that was a highlight for sure. I think another was when the reflectors actually arrived because these were a a really special custom order from the original manufacturer during the pandemic, which, you know, had all kinds of of difficulties to actually get them here. It took about nine months, so it took much longer to get the reflectors manufactured and, and arriving here ready to go than it did to actually restore the artwork in the end. Um, and so the moment that they arrived was just a profound sense of relief and excitement that we could actually get started on what you know the public would see as the actual restoration. And I think finally, one of my other favorite moments um, was when the construction company that was working on this, Burton Construction, when their crew called because they noted that the patterns that they were working from didn't match what they thought the pattern should be and it was this moment where I just realized what good hands we were in Mm -hmm. that they were really paying attention to the details and making sure that we were really absolutely accurately rendering the patterns that Dick had made and that they it just it was I just had this incredible sense of of relief and comfort and collaboration when it was clear that they totally understood what mattered in this work and that they had it totally under control. So I'm used to working with art conservators. Um, and so this was a, a, just an interesting and different project. There were there was a conservation team that oversaw the project, but they weren't the ones doing the day-to-day work. It was a um, really incredible construction crew, and it was just totally delightful to work with them. And I was so, so pleased with, with their work. But again, I think when you're an arts professional, you might understand the integrity of getting something exactly right. But if that's not your core work, it may be that you don't necessarily understand how important the integrity of that pattern is, but they did and they were fantastic. So let's zoom out a bit. Speaking of being an arts professional and folks that are in this world or not in this world, for you, why public art? 
why why does it matter? Why invest in it? What is it? What does it bring to us? I mean, I think that for me, it's I use when I think about public art, I tend to think about whether it makes a space better and more interesting, more engaging. Does it create a space where we might strike up a conversation with the people around us? I feel like what I've what I've come to understand when I didn't work in public art I think sometimes I didn't even necessarily recognize whether something was art or otherwise a part of the building in some way and through working in this field I can more often see whether something is a bench or an artist designed bench for example but now when I see that, it's like, that doesn't mean that that matters to the general public. I think what matters to them is, does it make our spaces more humane? And I think that that's something that you just feel when you're in those spaces. And the Sun Dome is kind of a perfect example of that. I I, I can imagine that many people in Yakima would not identify the artwork as it's a distinctive thing, as, as an art object itself. But I think that they would recognize that the Sundome is a is a much more interesting building because of those reflectors, and they would they would know what those reflectors were. They just might not identify it as an artwork, and I think it doesn't matter whether they identify it as an artwork. It's more about like that thing makes my world more interesting. It makes the places that I live be distinctive. It makes them have regional character. You know, I think we all want to live in places that are special. And we identify our places as special, but I also love it when the built environment around us reflects that and it reflects our special regional qualities. And I think Circle of Light does that. Um, Yakima has has continued to think of itself through the um, its sunshine, and this artwork is absolutely a part of that. Janae, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today and being on Creative State. And it's just been a blast. I've, I've been able to work on this project at its tail end with you to try to tell a bit of the story. And everything you've said is 100% spot on. People need to see it in person. If you can, get out to Yakima and, and soak it in. It's gorgeous. Thank you, Janae. Yeah, thank you, Michael. We have a couple treats for you now. First up is an excerpt from an interview with Jane Orleman, the widow of Dick Elliott, sharing an early memory of Dick's involvement with the project. Right afterward, you'll hear poet Javier Cavazos, a friend of Dick Elliott's, reading Abecedarian for Circle of Light, a poem he wrote in celebration of the restored artwork. Oh, and did everybody know that nominations are now open for the next Washington State Poet Laureate? If you or somebody you know might be a good candidate, head to arts.wa.gov to learn more and submit a nomination by December 2nd. So what's an Avicidarian, you might be asking? Well, an Avicidarian is, and I quote here from the Poetry Foundation, a poem in which the first letter of each line or stanza follows sequentially through the alphabet. But here's the really important thing. When you listen to Javier, Picture the Yakima Valley Sundome and Circle of Light right over his shoulder, blazing with renewed color. My remembrance is he didn't apply for the job, but he, his name was in the hopper for public art. And so the state 
contacted him and said, here's the job we want you to do, Yakima Sundome. So Dick and I came down to take a look and we're walking around and I'm looking at it and thinking, oh my gosh, I mean, how can you possibly get up there and do that? And Dick said, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> For Circle of Light, for Dick Elliott. All Together Autumn Light, or Yakima Light, above earth dirt, blown by beatnik wind. Between you and I, the patterned eye. Calligraphy cloud core, cozy, crisscross zags of light band. Native Americana canvas. Desert flash like a desert wave arroyo, stream bed reflected. Every electro swing eddy bends around the river, Yakima, and futurism, rainbow trout, coho, and summer Chinook, I imagine. Granite, Brachia, glow wave, folding and faulting a decorative reflection. Honeymoon, heat wave, reflectors glued around a pumping heart. Igneous imaginarium, indigo as motion and wave lightning, Junko's sparkling eye joyride motion. Klepto coyote stops and stares, a nightcore chainmail reflector cloak. Lunar's elk sparkle the mind and liminal space. Mountain breeze reflects moss core blue-green and snowtop orange pattern. Native, we all bow to natural core wave and one knee streamlit brook. Open other core, open other kin heart, open, open other kin sky, open, pattern, open and close. Powwow step music, open, pattern, open. Quiet the nervous mind, the quadratic equation quake, Run, fear, run in this band of light, this rainbow core roller wave circle of space core sunshine. Together with time and space, translucent crisscross dome and valley, unbend urban core circle, a heart open, space design, vector heart vis-a-vis -vis view vanish anxious mind wash the soul with winter light reflected circling the warm body xanadu blooms gold reflectors bald eagle perch yakima yakima hail hail to the yakima zoom into the breath language of the reflected 
tongue. Thank you very much. Big thanks to Jane and Javier. Learn more about Circle of Light and its restoration at arts.wa.gov. Our last stop, as I promised, takes us back into time. For this month's Wellness Arts in the Military segment, Program Manager Brian Bales and Vet Corps Navigator Gabriella Smith spoke on the phone with filmmaker Drew Hawley about his documentary film, Buffalo Soldiers, Fighting on Two Fronts. His film centers on the Buffalo Soldiers, six all-black cavalry and infantry units formed in 1866 after Congress passed the Army Organization Act. You can watch a trailer and learn more at buffalosoldiersmovie.com. All right, welcome to the WAM segment. I'm the WAM Wellness Arts in the Military Program Manager, Brian Bales. I've got with me, I know that all of you have missed her. She's been on her hiatus off, off contract. We have our Vet Corps member, uh, Gabriella Smith. Hey, Gabby, how are you? Pretty good. Thank you so much for having me back. Well, this is, you know, we're, we're in this together, so this is, this is both of ours. Yes. Uh, and then, uh, you know, joining us, we have a very special guest that I'm happy to introduce, uh, filmmaker Drew Holly, who is making his way around uh, the Northwest and then hopefully nationally with his uh, film, Buffalo Soldiers, Fighting on Two Fronts. Hey, Drew, how are you? Hey, Brian. Hey, Gabby. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So really kind of as we get started, would love to know uh, kind of a little background about you and, uh, you know, what got you, you know, what made you want to make this film and what's your background and everything like that? What, uh, you know, what do you what do you want the listeners to kind of know about you and your film? All right, Brian, that's a lot to cover. So let me see, where do I start? I'm originally from Denver, Colorado. I went to the Arts Institute of Colorado, uh, where I uh, majored in video broadcast. Um, I've been doing smaller projects for about 10, 10 to 12 years now. Uh, I moved to the Pacific Northwest, uh, Tacoma area, actually, in 2017 uh, with my daughter. We, we were volunteering at a Langston Hughes Juneteenth Festival. I was getting some footage for them uh, to promote their next year Juneteenth Festival. Uh, and while I was there, uh, this was in 2017, so we were feeling like Juneteenth was dying off, right? Mm-hmm. So we wanted to promote it again, right, to get people back out there. Absolutely. And I remember I went out there with the intention to kind of maybe document something about Juneteenth, right? I wanted to bring back Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. While I was there catching some footage, I heard my daughter yell, ooh, horsies. (laughs) And I I looked up from the camera and I seen, and it felt like it was in slow motion. These men straight out of the 19th century galloping up the hill on horseback. Oh man. Uh, Yeah, it was amazing. And And then my daughter was like, who are they, daddy? She was like, "Daddy, Daddy, who are they?" And I was a little stumped, and I and I was, and I couldn't remember who they were. And then suddenly it dawned on me. Mm. I don't know if it was because of the Danny Glover movie I seen back in the '90s. Oh yeah, 
or or the Bob Marley song that I've heard. But I, you know, I realized that these men are portraying the Buffalo Soldiers. So, and I told her, I said, those are the Buffalo Soldiers. I was a little embarrassed at that time that I had forgotten who they were. And I was also a little sad that my daughter wasn't going to know who they were. So I decided to make this film. Um, It started out, you know, as a promotional video I was going to do for these, uh, this group, because that's kind of what I was used to doing. Mm -hmm. Um, That wasn't going to be sufficient in telling uh, this story. I know their their reach was only so far. So I wanted to see, to take what they were doing and maybe uh, magnify it or put it in a megaphone for others to be able to, to, to know this history. Yeah, that is such an interesting way to begin the documentary. Prior to this, I had no idea where your idea came from to begin the Buffalo Soldiers documentary. So to know that it was a part of your family as well as just teaching your daughter who didn't know who the who they were and that she was able to see them in front of her and she was mesmerized by these people who she can kind of see herself, you know, through a different lens. But she was wondering what that was all about. And for you to step up and take that charge and create a documentary on it for not only her, but so many other young children to learn about the Buffalo Soldiers and now me, as well as so many people that are going to be a part of the viewings for these showings. It just it does. It makes a renowned difference in American history and what people know of American history. So could you give a little introduction? Oh, thank you. A little description of the Buffalo Soldiers documentary. Well, the Buffalo Soldiers um, started with Congress back in 1866, right after the Civil War. Our film follows three main characters. Moses Williams, who's buried here at Vancouver. Kathy Williams, who portrayed herself as a man to enlist into the Army. Mm. Uh, and can be considered the first woman in the uh, U.S. United States Army, and uh, General uh, Brigadier General Charles Young, who was recently promoted to Brigadier General a hundred years after he died uh, this year. Wow! Uh, and those—that's who our story follows. We had a chance with the Buffalo Soldiers of Seattle, who inspired me and who we seen that day at the Juneteenth Festival. We had a chance to do a very contemporary type of project that probably would have landed us in Tribeca or Sundance Film Festival. That wasn't the point of this film. The point of this film is to give that history of of this black, these black patriots, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't have that, and that was the point of the film. I once heard, we we received a few reviews, and one that struck me the most and I, I believe it can be some can consider it a bad review, but to me it wasn't a bad review. The reviewer said, what distinguishes, they had a lot of complimentary things to say, we're uncovering lost history and all, mm-hmm. uh, but they said, what distinguishes Buffalo soldiers fighting on two fronts from, the, the, from your seventh grade social studies class when your teacher will run out of the men that built America films? nothing they said nothing is you know uh but to me i think that's what i made the film for 
it's to reach that younger generation. Yeah. There, there wasn't other films that are popped into that, that social studies class. I didn't see any uh, films that talked nope. about uh, black or BIPOC history other than slavery in that in those social studies class. So this is for that that seventh grade social studies class, if they consider that as a a slight towards me. That's kind of what that was the objective. I love that, man. I love that. And, you know, I also, you know, just give so much respect, you know, the fact that you could have, you know, done it, you know, taken it to Sundance or, or, or whatever, but you, you know, you stuck to your guns and, you know, I think that and, and said, this is the story I want to tell. This is my audience. This is who it's for, um, which is something that you don't, necessarily get outside of independent filmmaking and this is one of the beauties of independent filmmaking right because you are 100 percent in control of everything you do you know you're not beholden to uh, a studio who is sending notes and giving demands of what you need to do um and so you know to that you have all the respect in the world from me thank you thank you very much Brian. yeah and Go ahead, Gabby. Oh, I was going to say with that, you know, independent films also come with a lot of research on your own terms. So I was just wondering what your research process was in the beginning of this filmmaking. But I don't know if Brian that was a, that was literally what I was going <laughs> to ask. So you're good. We're on the same page. Awesome. So this this history is super vast, right? It is. It's a, a vast history. I mean, I don't know how to better. Mm-hmm. better way to explain it than that so the research has been um it's been tough uh we started out the film as buffalo soldiers of the pacific northwest really wanting to focus on the history of the pacific northwest after all of our research after several cuts that didn't work right um filmmaking isn't a linear <laughs> no linear. This, you go one way, you hit a dead end, you've got to turn around. So we couldn't make the film about the Pacific Northwest. It could have Pacific Northwest elements, talking about where the Buffalo Soldiers came, some of the families that um, grew from from that culture. For instance, the Buffalo Soldiers that retired here in Vancouver went over to Portland Right and started a community over there in Portland. Um, wow. That community has since uh, been dispersed, but you know they were the beginnings of that black community wherever they would would, would go. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a great research team. Um, we his name our principal researcher was Dave Hedberg. Um, he's done several projects. Fort Vancouver uh, works with OPD a lot. Um, we have also the largest collection of black soldiers anywhere in the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. If you need a picture of a black soldier from <laughs> back in the day, we probably got it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, so whoever else is going to be inspired to make a film, come to me. We'll hook you up. I love that. I love that, you know, not only making your film, but passing that down to the to the next generation of filmmakers, man. That's what it's all about. Um, one of the one of the things that I think is is really unique about about your documentary and, um, you know, I think something that separates it from from others 
you know, just in terms of uh, storytelling and, you know, the way that you the way that you put this together was, you know, you used a combination of live action reenactment versus as well as uh, animation as well. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, about that process and what made you kind of go that route. We had the pleasure of working with the Buffalo Soldiers of Seattle, who has a completely, complete authentic look, right? They have Mm -hmm. a complete 19th century cavalry Buffalo Soldiers look right in the Indian Wars is where they got their name. They have that great look. But they, we didn't have the budget, right, being an independent film, we have to raise the budget for everything. We didn't have the budget to buy the costumes, different actors Mm. for each of the segments where we needed to do recreations. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a limited amount of photos and there's no videos from back in that time to help us tell that story. Right. Wanting to reach a younger audience, wanting it to be grander, we went with a animated look of the animation um, and a more of a graphic novel type of animation that I've seen on like YouTube as I watched. I'm a nerd and I watch these YouTube comic book reads. <laughs> oh, like read. the like the motion comics. Yeah, I love yeah, like I love motion. those. I love look. those. Yeah, so. I will yeah. say to that when i watched the trailer for the documentary i noticed that the music also is a little bit more of a newer production style it's got that hip-hop that um new feel to it it's not historically accurate to the time which i actually really enjoyed because it did play that part to the animation and the advancement technology wise in the filmmaking so gotta just put that in there a little bit yeah, you know, so I I was really inspired. Um, this has been a four-year journey, and I've watched countless of documentaries throughout this process, from Ava DuVernay, who was a big inspiration to me, her film oh. 13. Oh, yeah, she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a one particular docu-series that I watched all the time called The Evolution of Hip-Hop. And I liked how they used their animation and their motion graphics with their with their um, archival images, right? We we also did some motion and some photo treatment with those archival images, mm-hmm. right? And they used uh, hip hop, right? exactly. And they trying to reach the audience that I was trying to reach. I didn't want to. I mean, we have some historical right we have a lot of historical music but at the chances that we could we wanted to definitely live it up with some uh, music that <laughs> we like absolutely right. yeah so you've you've been doing um uh the the film festival circuits how is yeah. uh, how has that been going uh the film festivals have been fun right it's uh, we premiered our uh we premiered first world premiered at Seattle International Film Festival and the Pacific Northwest is our home and this is where we want right mm-hmm. to build our community at. We just won um, Best Pacific Northwest Documentary at Tacoma Film Festival. Uh, we're playing, yeah, yeah. We're playing <laughs> we played at Portland on Monday night. Um, we're playing in Astoria on Saturday and the then again on Portland at Portland and then uh, 
that will be the end of the festival circuit. Congratulations on uh, on your on your victory there. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We also played at Vashon on Vashon Island. I don't want to forget those. Days. Oh yeah, those. I love Vashon Island, man. Can't forget that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, what's uh, what's your plan? What's you know, what do you have uh, moving forward for uh, you know for your film? What's your what's your hopes? If like best best case scenario, you know, what do you what are you what are, what are you hoping for for this film? What I'm hoping for for this film, um, I'm hoping that this film educates. Uh, and entertain people on the uh, the contributions of African Americans mm-hmm. more than what has been shown repeatedly beaten into our heads that you know we were slaves. Um, we also had badass black cowboys who were part of our history. <laughs> um, that's that's what I'm hoping for with this film. I'm hoping that. My daughter doesn't have to ask me who they are, or yeah. someone else's daughter have to ask who they are, um, and just do my part, uh, do my part in this in this mission. Well, we are so happy to be a part of that in some way, shape, or form in the future. When I first saw your name at Arts Wall on our grants page, I knew that the Wellness Arts and the Military Program was going to be a part of the prolonging with your tours in the future. So do know that we are a big supporter of you and we are on that journey. I love that. I love that. You, you two have been great so far and I'm excited to work with you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So we're going to start a tour, a screening educational tour throughout the West coast, but we're starting in Washington and we're trying to hit every region in Washington. Um, come out and check out the film. It's only an hour long. We'll do a Q&A with you and sometimes bring out the Buffalo Soldiers of Seattle uh, to do all the crazy things they do, like crack bull whips, ride horses, and set up little displays. Nice. That's amazing. So, yeah, that that's actually something that I, you know, I wanted to really implore to the listeners, you know, out there. If you're, if you're listening, you know, whether or not you're a... a, a uh, a military group, a school, a college, you know, or just a, a, a community organization, whoever you are, whoever you're listening, you know, and, and, you know, however you're listening to one, we thank you for tuning in. But also, you know, if, you know, having Drew come up and uh, do a screening of his film is something that um, would be of interest to you, you know, let us know, let Drew know, um, you know, kind of as we, um, wrap things up, yeah. um, you know, Drew, how can, uh, how can folks, uh, get in touch with you and, uh, where can they, where can they go to see, you know, see the trailer of your film and, and see everything that, uh, that, that you've been doing? You know, we got the best domain name possible. So it's real easy. It's Buffalo soldiers movie.com. Um, you can check out the trailer. You can send me an email you can request a screening, um, buffalosoldiersmovie.com. Drew, just really, really want to thank you for coming on. Um, you know, we really appreciate it. Uh, I think the listeners are really going to appreciate it. And uh, I can't wait, to, can't wait to see your film and, uh, you know, look forward to everything that we got going in the future and hopefully lots of, uh, 
lots of screenings across the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. I don't know the I don't know the format you got done, got here, Brian, but I'm not done yet. Oh, <laughs> I also want to say that we'll be coming to a television near you. I can't exactly say at this time. Uh, they'll be making their own announcements, and then I'll be making an announcement. So if you can't make it out, stay tuned. Uh, we'll be coming to a television near you, um, and it's so poetic. I, I'm going to just say the date, Juneteenth. 2023. I love it. We discovered the project. Now we're coming um, to TV. So coming full circle. Full circle. Full circle, sure. right? Absolutely. So let us know when when you make that announcement. Let us know, and we'll be sure to uh, we'll be sure to push it out to folks as well. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. We got more projects too. So stay tuned, folks. All righty. Well, uh, that wraps up our Wham! segment, folks. Um, hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions uh, about wellness arts in the military, you can go to the ArtsWA website, um, arts.wa.gov. Click on Wellness Arts in the Military. You'll see my contact information on there. You'll see Gabby's contact information on there. Um, you know, get a hold of us. Uh, let's let's figure out what we can do together. Hey, can you guys put my email um address on there and wherever this is coming out so people can reach out if they, if Absol- they absolutely drew you want to tell us your email address it's drew d-r-u holly h-o-l-l-e-y productions p-r-o-d-u-c-t-i-o-n-s at gmail.com perfect folks well there it is drew holly productions at is. gmail.com <clears throat> get in touch with the man that's right go watch his film Learn something. (laughs) All right. right, Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Creative State. I hope you enjoyed these conversations as much as we enjoyed putting them together. You can learn more about the work that we do at arts.wa.gov. Thank you again, and I hope your days are full of creativity and discovery.